Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. And on today's episode, I'm joined by one of my very favorite human beings, Jimmy Bellamy, to talk about how our friendship started from a chance podcast interview and then a Twitter following. Hi, I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Jimmy, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. What's up, Logan? I'm honored that you'd even consider me to be on this show. Oh my God, are you kidding? It's... Um, it was like, uh, it was a no brainer, honestly. It's just, you know, we have, <laughs> there are so many people to meet and talk to, um, too. So it's, it's great, but I love to sprinkle in episodes with people where like, I already know them and talk about like, you know, friendship from how I met them and like, uh, get advice from them on things on how, how things are going too. So I have a handful of people in my life who have been longtime friends who are just, magnetic charismatic you're one of those people and that is very our sweet. our friendship story is i think one that's unique in terms of my life just because of how we met and uh yeah like i said to be on this show is, is really cool i know you kicked off with your best friend jared rollins with the yes. first episode i thought that was fitting and you know i've been listening throughout and when you reached out to me i, I was like are you serious this is great yeah, of course. Dude. Uh, f- what people may not know that I should share with them, if you're a fan of Fast Friends Podcast, you can thank Jimmy for this podcast existing. If you are not a fan of Fast Friends Podcast, I mean, I guess you don't really have to reach out to him. But what people may not know is like um, when I started like the idea of doing a podcast, so I actually started with the name based on Jimmy's, uh, which it's weird. We've been friends for, I think it's 10 years now. Yeah, Our wives have never f- actually met each other. That's true. But we believe, we have reason to believe that they would be fast friends. Um, (laughs) And so that's actually where the name came from. Dude, well, thanks for coming on. Um, Typically, I know that you've, like you've mentioned, and thank you for listening, but you've listened to to the episodes. But for people that may be listening to the first, for the first time, it's pretty, um, there's some, like a little bit of a structure. So I'll just go through in general. There are three rounds. Uh, The first is called the fast forward round, where we'll talk about like your life and um, all the stuff that you've done and like career and, you know, things like that. The second round will be called five for five where um, I have five questions for you. You have five questions for me. We'll ping pong back and forth. The third round will be the Fast Friends Fortune Teller, um, where we'll use a paper fortune teller from our childhood days to reveal an activity that we'll play. And um, even though we're friends, we'll still end with friend requests because I guess our friendship is up for renewal after 10 years. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's, yeah, and oh, it's like I said, it's a conversation. This, so, you know, stop, ask me questions. Um, you can ask me the same questions, like whatever. It's it's a two way dialogue. <sighs> I can't wait. Well, I can't I've got wait. questions loaded questions. up for you, man. Um, so my first, I'm going to jump right into the the fast forward around. Then um, I do know that that you are born Let's and raised Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> um, again, one of the things that I always hear is that you need to go to Duluth to see the leaves change. Never been then. You did con me into going one time in. A f- I think a January February time frame. It was winter for sure. Um, yeah, how it was. I could I could tell you exactly when it was. I, I believe it was around Valentine's Day 
Um, I was doing stand-up, and you were nice enough to make the trip. I was opening for Mick Foley. He was doing his his one-man show. And it was February 14. It was the week before um, the WWE Network launched. Um, <laughs> so I think that was like February 23rd that it launched. The day before that, or maybe that was the day of, we were at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view at the That's Target correct. Center in Minneapolis. And that, I think, was kind of your trip What was bookended by wrestling. And yeah, you were nice enough to come to the show. That was the f- second time that we had seen each other in person. Yeah. And yeah, it was February in Duluth, and it was cold. I had just moved. So cold. I had just moved to Minneapolis that week. <laughs> a couple of days later, I drove back to Duluth to do the show. I think the show was on like a Tuesday or something. Okay. All I remember for people, because I, I at the time I was living in Chicago and had been here for, I don't know, seven-ish years maybe. Um, it's cold in Chicago. So I was like, okay, fine. Like I can, ha- you know, it's whatever. It's cold. So I pack like, you know, a standard winter winter coat, gloves, hat, etc. I load all of that up to leave the hotel to go get a rental car because I had flown into Minneapolis um, and was driving up to Duluth for your show. And I feel like I was very close to getting frostbite just from walking a block to the rental car station, even with all that shit on. And I was like, I could never, ever move here. This is too much. It's absolutely, you know, a place where you need to be conditioned to it. I think about, and I'm not a, you know, Duluth is on the western tip of Lake Superior, which is, in my humble opinion, I know I'm biased, the greatest lake (laughs) in the world. It is a great lake. It's the greatest of the great lakes. I think it's the greatest lake in the world. I love it. The view is amazing. The tap water's delicious. You feel cleaner when you shower using that water, but I'm not, a, I'm not a big water person in terms of swimming, diving, whatever. But when you were in water, I imagine you need to wear a wetsuit to be the most comfortable you can possibly be, whether that be Lake Superior or anywhere. Duluth is kind of like that when it comes to winter gear. You need to be able to have a jacket, gloves, face covering, hat, boots, snow pants that basically are resistant to the wind, that you could walk out there and it feels like you're in an air-conditioned or not air conditioned, but a climate controlled home. Yeah. You need that gear that is just like willing to take whatever and you're toasty and warm inside. You need that for Duluth. Oh yeah. So I haven't, I haven't been back, but maybe, maybe sometime in the fall. Um, you are one of, is it you have four, there are four of you, right? Four brothers. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm, I'm number three of four in the lineup. My guess was going to be two. I Actually. guess I shouldn't have told you. It's no, like, it was, I would have had you guess. It was literally my next question was like, where do you fall? Because just based on your personality, I was like, I knew that you weren't the oldest because I feel like I've seen pictures and there's one of your brothers is definitely older than you. But I was like, second seems right to me. I don't know. So at least, I guess I wasn't terribly far off. No, you're, you were close. And actually, I was supposed to be the baby of the family. My youngest brother, Josh, or Puck as he goes by, he was born... He was conceived after my dad had a vasectomy, so he was a a miracle. He was a surprise child, a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> you could he say pr- that. Yeah, he probably prefers miracle. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he was a surprise, not an accident. There's a difference. <laughs> there, there is a difference. If you had to compare, uh, like your family and your household and stuff when you were growing up to like a sitcom family, who would you pick? Like, what would you be your comparable sitcom family? That's a great question. Um, probably The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Right yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, we were always up to something. Um, or if you remember the show, Just the Ten of Us, do you remember that show? 
Uh, vaguely. Was it like it was, a part of a TJF lineup yeah, for a hot Yeah, minute? it was. Yeah. It was a spinoff from Growing Pains. Uh, yep. Bill Kirkenbauer was the star. He played Graham Lubbock, a high school football and basketball coach, I believe. And yep. they moved to some small town or whatever. And he had, I think, eight kids because it was him, his wife, and their eight kids, just the 10 of us. And it was always chaotic in there. And that was akin. <laughs> now, there were, I think, seven girls in that family and one boy. So okay. that wasn't obviously comparable but the overall chaos yeah is what existed in our house and my parents to this day live in the tiny home that we grew up in and whenever our significant others come over they're like how did the six of you coexist in this place and even logistically we have two bathrooms one of which has a tub no shower mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other just has a sink and a toilet and we somehow got by with uh, six people in that place. It was different times. I, like, you and I are very uh, close in age. So, it, like, I know it sounds dumb because we're not, like, terribly old. But Jesus Christ. Like, I feel like there are times about, like, that I talk about my my upbringing or, like, just general things. And, like, I feel like younger people are like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't – we just did. Like, that's it was – that's what that's what we had. We – you know, I'm, I'm going to sound – old man yelling at cloud sound like old man yelling at cloud but we we were we were a part of the analog world we were born into the analog world and things were done differently and you just kind of accepted the way a lot of things were done and didn't really ask a whole lot of questions and i think that technological innovation along with people being more connected and having more of a say more of a voice in day to day. I mean, just look at social media. I feel like that has led to kind of this, like this age of convenience, this age of, I deserve the best. And we, as kids, especially we, we didn't have that. I mean, I think about, and I'm speaking from the perspective of a former child, not of a parent. We kind of just listened to our parents and did whatever we had to do and things were done a certain way. And, and yeah, you, you made it work. You had no other choice. Absolutely. Yeah. It was it, like we weren't in charge. That was the thing. Right? Not at like, all. And, and it's funny now, like being older, there are times that I look and I'm like, I mean, my parents were, I'm, I'm guessing very similar to what, what you're describing. Cause I would say the same thing. Like my parents had, um, like blue collar jobs, like hardworking, you know, stuff like that. We, for a while we did, ha- we didn't have enough bedrooms for each kid to have their own, but then like later somebody moved to the basement. So, you know, it was like similar kind of stuff, but like, I look back and I'm like, Jesus, I, first of all, I have no idea how they pulled off everything that they did, but they were also faking it to a fair amount extent. Yeah. And like, I had no clue at the time, right? Like there's, I never would have thought like they have no idea what they're doing. No. And I mean, I think we all probably have a moment in our lives where we can mark that, okay, this is when I realized my mom and dad don't know everything, or this is when I realized my mom and dad are just human. And what I often think about is my youngest brother was born in 1985. My dad was 34 at the time. Mm -hmm. So he had four kids at age 34. I'm 40 and I have zero kids. I can't imagine the responsibility that he had. And, you know, we can certainly cut open a vein. I don't know if this is the time in the show we do it, but I think a lot of reasons why I don't have children are because my dad never looked like he was enjoying himself. So I never put myself in the position of the dad in the family because Mm -hmm. it never looked like fun. And I don't blame him because we had four kids. 
uh, from oldest to youngest, eight years, eight years apart. We were always chasing to some athletic competition that we were playing in, uh, a school event. It was it was pure chaos. And my dad affectionately referred to the mornings as the living hell. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we we pulled it off. And I I don't have any regrets about my childhood. I had an awesome upbringing. My mom and dad they've been married for. 45 years and I am very close to them. I'm very close to all of my brothers, but holy cow, it was just pure chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I rem- <laughs> it's funny you you mentioned like the morning um the living hell rather that's what you called it, right? The morning that was, was yeah, the that, living hell. It was yeah. the living hell. We knew it. Uh and, yeah. and you know you you had said your uh was it was it Liz's dad is a DHB? Decent, yeah, human, decent being. human being. Yep. Yeah, my my parents are in the DHB category. Yeah. My parents are very religious. So DHB is bullshit to them. Like they, (laughs) they believe through their religious actions, they are being DHB, Mm -hmm. although that's questionable to me at times. Um, but yeah, it's DHB for sure. But I I remember like the mornings were particularly stressful. We were two years apart. So there are three of us, two years apart each. And like, I can remember one morning, like my brother Brent and I got into a fight over, uh, who's going to wear some specific shirt or something like that. I don't know. And my mom like literally took, we were arguing and standing in the bathroom. And of course, because we didn't have, you know, everyone didn't have their own bathroom. We're all standing in the same bathroom. My mom's also there getting ready for work. And she just turns around and like grabs my head and Brent's head and like, bam, like crashes our foreheads together. We go to school with like a giant, like we deserved it a hundred percent, by the way. Um, no yeah. doubt. But, but I'm just like, yeah, that was like a Tuesday, you know, that was just like every, yeah. that was every morning. I'm well, I with think you. about, I think about the, the 1994-95 school year. That was my oldest brother, Jeremy's senior year. So in our house, we had kids who were 18, 16, 14, and then we had a 10 year old. And I mean, Ooh. the fact that all of us survived that no one combination of two people killed each other is remarkable. Just yeah. unbelievable. So yeah. yeah, it's uh I think we're both products of that uh that environment, very similar. So what were what were you like like outside of the house in school? Like were you yeah. it it sounds like you obviously played sports and were you must have been good at them if you were doing like traveling sports. Yeah, I I mean I was okay. I I, I would have definitely moments of you know, you'd look at me and wonder if I was even coordinated, but I played soccer. That was my go-to. Um, my, my oldest brother, Jeremy played hockey, baseball, soccer, and he's just a tremendous athlete. Whatever he picks up, he's good at instantly. Isn't and, that annoying? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it, I guess, cause I was always reading for my brothers, but, um, he, he's of the generation born in 77 where there wasn't a whole lot of specialization, at least in Minnesota at the time. So when he was 12 in the late 1980s, he had to make a choice. You either play baseball yep. or you play soccer. You don't do both. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's the, that maybe that is specialization. But what I mean is there weren't high levels of competitive teams for preteens or teenagers at that time. So he chose baseball because it conflicted with soccer, even though he was really good at soccer. And uh, he, he played baseball and hockey. My brother, Bob, played soccer and hockey and was excellent. And he was able to kind of use that, that, asshole aggression <laughs> properly in sports and he'd be like the guy who would stick up for his teammates and rough people up and he, he was he was a really good player i did not get into hockey as a as a real little kid because i signed up one year i remember i signed up as like a five or six year old and in duluth of course hockey's huge just sure. like it is everywhere in minnesota or most places in minnesota 
And I remember my coach called to tell me when the first practice was. And I just kind of panicked. And I told my mom to tell him I didn't want to play. And I didn't reveal until years later the reason I didn't want to play was I wasn't sure I'd know when to come off the ice for a line change. Not knowing... Not knowing that at that age, everybody is taken off at the same time by like a whistle blowing and you, you, okay, now switch. And I didn't tell my parents at the time that's why I was afraid of playing because they probably would have said, oh, well, no, it's it's not a problem. They let you know. But then I didn't get into hockey. I, I didn't become sentient until like nine, age nine about hockey. Like, oh, this is a thing and I like it. By that time, my brothers were deep into traveling hockey and I was I was noticing how much time and money it took, both for the travel, the practices, the games, all that stuff, the equipment. I didn't want to put that burden on my parents. And I know when I've told people that, they've said, wow, you thought that at nine? I just knew that you know, while my parents weren't open about, oh, we make this much money or we don't make this much money or whatever, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have any idea about that. I just saw it was a big time commitment. I thought they, they're not going to want a third kid because now they could tackle with the two oldest. They could each go to a different part of the state on a weekend for a tournament with each kid. And I thought, well, if I'm the third kid, that means I'm going with other people or my parents are going with me and not with the other kid. So I, I didn't play hockey as a kid. Um, but outside of the home, I think people would say they'd be like, well, Jimmy was nice. He was funny. Um, there's no way to say that about yourself and not sound like an idiot. But no. <laughs> I, I, I got along with people, but I, I certainly, and to this day, I even have deep regrets about, uh, you know, if, if I was ever mean to anybody in school for you name it, you know, uh, they maybe they didn't look a certain way or they behaved a certain way. And maybe I was hurtful to them and I do regret that. But I was probably like a lot of kids where, you know, I'd take the brunt of, you know, I'd get picked on too by people or maybe I'd do the picking, but I wouldn't, I I would like to think I was never considered a bully. I was always just like a nice guy who talked to everybody and had a lot of friends and was very social. I remember being obsessed with talking on the phone. This was pre-cell phone, (laughs) landline, just talking on the phone all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was the same way. Like, I always wanted to know what people were doing. Like, because, you know, then it was like you saw people at school. Were you like a frequent pencil sharpener in the classroom? I was because I wanted to get up and like see what the hell everybody was up to. I hated sharpening pencils because (laughs) I would always over sharpen. And when the mechanical pencil era arrived, no one was happier than I was. Okay. I still to this day have... uh, lead pencils like you can see right here uh that's what i use every day but yeah i was a big pencil sharpener because that was like to me i could like take multiple routes from like my desk to get to the pencil sharpener and back so i could kind of like it was like making my rounds with the room like i wanted to know but yeah then like phone the same thing like like what are people doing at home like what's you know yeah i had to know what the hell was going on oh gosh we we didn't you know a lot of people i was always jealous of the kids who had a quote-unquote party line where they had their Mm -hmm. own phone line separate from their parents Mm -hmm. we did not and Mm -hmm. i didn't have a phone in my room so i would pull the phone from my parents room which (laughs) then passed a closet in the hallway and it would barely stretch enough Uh to be in my room and i'd have to like lay on the floor by the door to use it and then of course the cordless phones came out and that was a little easier but we didn't have call waiting for a really long time and you know we'd get people um I had an, I still, my aunt and uncle live across the street from my parents and they'd come over and be like, 
mom's been trying to get a hold you know yeah they yeah. tell this to my mom <laughs> mom's been trying to get a hold of you but the line's busy so then my mom would be like get off the phone but yeah it was i was always talking to people on the phone i, I was kind of obsessed yeah this is so funny uh, the call waiting thing, it's, yeah, I, like, I remember getting that, like I, we were, de- I was definitely in high school, I think by the time we got call waiting. That was a big deal. Star 69 was a big deal when that yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Oh man. The evolution of phones. The evolution. Um, did you have a, <laughs> did, were you voted anything by your class for the yearbook? Like most likely to anything? Yeah. I was biggest flirt. In- oh, I think it was maybe my senior. I, maybe that was only done our senior year. I think it was biggest flirt. That was okay. that was my thing. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> were you like a big dater? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was. I got labeled pretty quickly by some of my closest friends as like, oh, this is the guy who's always with somebody every week or a month or whatever. And I, I didn't necessarily think that was the case. And I mean, I could be just trying to make myself feel better, but <laughs> I just i I was of the thinking that you needed to try different things. Um, I didn't want to be that person who married their high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a high school sweetheart. (laughs) So yeah. So like I wasn't, I was not, I was not afraid or ashamed to talk to other people, hang out with them. And if it, if it was something that I wasn't really into, I would move on to, to another person. (laughs) God, that sounds so douchey. No, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I I also liked being alone too. There were plenty of times where I it was just me rocking yeah. uh, rocking the solo vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, biggest flirt. I don't know that I would have picked that for you. Well, I mean, I think I've mellowed in my age. Uh, <laughs> I've I've learned a lot. I I uh, yeah. I I think I had to. I mean, I probably I would probably be dead, or I'd have every STD in the world or something if if I didn't uh, tone it, tone it down. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I'm um, forty, man. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. When you picked communication, I could, <laughs> I admittedly picked it because it was the easiest program at our school. Um, did you like have an idea that you wanted? Like, did you already know kind of what you wanted to do, and that was the way to get there, or was it like, yeah, this is like, it seems pretty chill. <laughs> by by that time, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, prior to that, I had no clue. Um, in high school. I mean, God, I remember being way too old to be telling people I wanted to be a professional soccer player for a living. Um, <laughs> there is in the I remember, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Soccer was not big in the United States. I mean, to this day, it still isn't. But I felt like, oh, there's a chance because not a lot of people are into soccer. And I just remember being like 15 and and this one girl who was my girlfriend, I remember her mom was driving us somewhere and she's like, oh, what do you want to be, you know, after high school? I was like, oh, I want to be a pro soccer player. And she's like, don't you think that's a little unrealistic? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess you're right because I'm not great at soccer. Um, so in high school, I, I wrote for the I wrote for the school paper and enjoyed it and and received good feedback from people about my stories. And so I had writing in the back of my mind and my senior year, I was, I was a little depressed because I didn't have the grades that would qualify for scholarships. Mm -hmm. And you go through that period of time where everybody's asking, where are you applying to go? Are you applying for these scholarships? And I just kind of froze. I didn't apply for a single scholarship because I was like a three Oh grade point average. And that wasn't going to get me anything. And I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I, my parents were not of the level to pay for any of our schooling. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So this wasn't like, oh, you know, we've been saving for your college. Like right. that is completely foreign to me. And I decided, let's just pump the brakes. We'll take a year to gather ourselves and figure it out. And um, I worked full time with my dad, who at the time was managing a sporting goods store that specialized in bikes, hockey equipment, and baseball stuff and, and some other random sports stuff. And I worked five or six days a week full time with him. And I was, I had just turned 18 um, at the start of my gap year and worked my butt off, but thought the entire time I will be going to school next year. Mm-hmm. I just don't know in what. And the more I thought about it during that time, I realized I love sports. I love writing. If I can't get paid to play the sports, I will at least find a way to get paid to attend the games. And I focused on sports writing and journalism, but journalism was not a major at UMD at the time. It was only a minor. Mm -hmm. So the path I decided to choose was take communications as your major, minor in journalism. And the caveat, or I guess the the, the cool thing about that was because journalism wasn't a major, there was no threshold of like, okay, this is the amount of classes you need to take. Mm-hmm. I could basically take as many journalism classes as I wanted. So I took more than required and uh, ended up uh, getting a minor in, in journalism. And it is a major now there. Yeah. Good. Look, it's... Uh, and then you... like So you started out like local there, right? With newspapers mm-hmm. in the area. Yeah. Um, and were you like straight out sports journalist from day one or did you just take like any job they would give you in the newsroom? So I was incredibly lucky. Uh, the, the way it worked was so summer of, of 2003, I am entering my senior year. I'm living with my friends at my grandma's old house, loving life, party life, all that good stuff. I get this email from the head of our department or the head of the journalism school. And she says, there is an internship at the Duluth Budgeteer. The Duluth Budgeteer is a weekly paper at the time. Comes out every Saturday, very small, but like the the highlight of the Budgeteer was you'd get the Manny Shopper in in that was like all the coupons and stuff. So they were looking for an intern, not just an intern, but a sports writing intern. Oh, and I, I mean, it was incredible. Like before that thing happened, I thought, what am I going to do? And I just thought, well, you know, if I don't get a job, Right, a journalism job right out of school. What I'm going to do is I'm going to work full time at Stewart's, which was the sporting goods store I was working at. I'll work full time for a year, and then I will move to Minneapolis and just take my chances with whatever happens there. Well, I got this sports internship, and it was for a semester. At the end of that semester, the people, the budgeteer, approached me and said, "We can't give you school credit." for the next semester, but would you be willing to stay on as a sports intern here? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I did that while simultaneously I applied and interviewed for a sports internship at the Duluth News Tribune, which is the daily paper there. The big one, yeah. Yeah. And I I did not get that internship. I, I get the job in Superior a month before graduating college. So I get it in April. I graduate in May, which is like it blew my mind. I was so thrilled. Yeah. And I spent two years there before eventually moving to the Duluth paper to do copy editing for the sports section. I did two years of that and then became a sports writer there and was in that position for five months before becoming the multimedia editor in early 09 to uh, help launch their social media channels and everything. And then um, I did that for five years before moving to the Twin Cities. Yeah. 
Wow. So lots of lots of journalism experience in sports specifically. Yeah. It was during your time, I think, at so I have two questions. When you were yeah. at when you were at Duluth News Tribune, which is the bigger the biggest paper the big paper in Duluth. Correct. Did you have like did you get any level of like local notoriety? Like, did you get ever recognized or like, oh, you work? Because, you know, that's like a big deal in, in smaller cities. I did. I did for a couple of reasons. We had a partnership with the NBC slash CBS affiliate there. And I would work early in the morning and we had a camera in our newsroom with a live feed to the TV studio. So you could have okay. a back and forth one-on-one like this on live television. And what we did was we'd go over the day's headlines in the paper. Okay. So they'd be like, so what's cooking today? And we'd usually have two stories we'd talk about. That was really, really nerve wracking though, because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of put on the spot and you know, you do as much prep as possible, but like there's so many things to worry about. You've got a screen up here. You've got a screen down here with you. I, I see every like blemish on my face because <laughs> I don't have the benefit of news makeup or anything. And I, I did a lot of stuttering and stammering. And there was always this guy, I, the sound guy at the place where I did stand up. Every time I saw him, he'd be like, oh, I saw you in the news this week. You were brutal. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Just And he'd bring it up every he'd bring it up every time like he was bringing it up for the first time. And finally, after like the 10th time, I'm like, man, you tell me this every time you see me. Do you realize that? And he stopped finally after that. But so people would notice me from that. And then I would write columns for the paper occasionally. And sure. when you write a column, your photo appears with it. Yeah. And so people would be like, oh, you, you write for the paper or whatever. And yeah, so I, I think so. But also we're, you know, there were a bunch of Bellamy's in Duluth. So people would know you from like <laughs> school or other jobs or whatnot, or they'd know a family member of yours. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of, of growing up in like a, a smaller to mid-sized t- uh, city like that. Yeah. And spending your entire life there too. Yeah. yeah. 30, 30 plus years before I moved. Yeah. I feel like in Cincinnati, specifically on the West side, which is where I went to college and like where Liz was born and well, she wasn't born there where she was raised. Everybody like, it's like Kevin Bacon, right? But you're like, it's, you're like two degrees max. So Kate, <laughs> Kate and I say this all the time. So my wife, Kate is from Duluth, as you know, I guess for the audience, Kate's from Duluth too. Um, she, she always says, she's like, you know, Duluth is roughly, it's almost 90,000 people, but without fail, if somebody anywhere else in the world is like, Oh, do you know so-and-so from Duluth? The answer is yes. Yeah. You, you do know them. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy how that happens. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's insane. So it's, it's during this time that when you're at the Duluth news tribune, I think that you and I met, yeah. um, so I'll just go through that story quickly. Well, it doesn't have to be quickly. Who cares? But um, <laughs> I, I got all day, man. Let me. I'm gonna like play back. I have like a foggy memory, so I'm gonna play back like what I think happened, and then you tell me. But I think that this is how it went down. Um, it was WWE's Money in the Bank in 2011, um, which was here in Chicago at the Allstate Arena. Uh, I had amazing seats, which was awesome. I went with a buddy. Uh, from work. And at that time, I feel like Dave Lagana had started this like Twitter feed. Uh, yeah, he had started a Twitter feed and then like a bunch of podcasts with former WWE creatives. And so it was called like, I want wrestling. Um, and I feel like there were two things that happened. The event was just an amazing pay-per-view that that main event match was, I mean, it's obviously legendary in wrestling. Um, somehow there was like a Vince McMahon, uh, involvement at the end, 
I had a sign that had Lagana's Twitter handle on it. Got it on camera somehow, right behind Vince's giant head. Uh, so Dave Lagana does like a live. Uh, I, was it live? I don't know, but we recorded something because yeah, he was I, asking I me about being at the event. I think he might have been doing a post-show recap. Sure, his, yeah, on his podcast. I could be wrong. It might. It may have even been the following Monday. I, I can't remember. It was definitely the night of. It was the night of that we recorded anyway. I don't know if he released it immediately, but so he had me on because he saw my sign. He obviously like I had been following him on Twitter and like engaging and stuff like that. The I want wrestling stuff was actually all very great content. Um, Agree. And so I think you happened to hear the podcast ended up giving me a follow on Twitter. I followed you back (laughs) and then like just started like engaging there and then Fast forward a couple years later, like you said, you came to Chicago for the Tough Mudder. That was our first time actually meeting in person, I believe. That's correct. Am I accurate? Okay. That's Yeah, you nailed it. I remember <laughs> I, I, I liked listening to all of Lagana's stuff or following it on Twitter. Yeah. And, you know, uh, he had at the end, I think he's like, yeah, is there any way people can find you? And I think you just said, yeah, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. So I tweeted to you. I was I think I was like. Hey, you know, great job on the show or whatever, or, or nice job on whatever with the sign. I can't remember. And you, what's funny is it's probably still there. So like if you put both sure. of our handles into Twitter and, and scroll, you'll <laughs> see it. You'll have to go for a while though. But yeah, we, I just remember and that was back in the day for anybody who's, you know, only been using Twitter the last handful of years. Twitter used to be a beautiful place before, really the, was. before the boomers and the trolls found it. <laughs> and you were part of this unconnected or disconnected group of people that I only knew from Twitter, some Mm -hmm. of whom have become friends in real life. I mean, the reason I got the job that I first had in Minneapolis is because of somebody I met on Twitter who happened to be an alumnus of my college. And you and I became friends because we loved wrestling. And and I know I was at the time doing a lot of like live tweeting while watching wrestling on television. And I just, you know, you were always so cool and, um, you know, I, you were a good follow and, and we, we committed to, oh, you know, like we'll, we'll hang out sometime. And then when the Tough Mudder came, you were the first person I thought of like, hey, I don't know anything about Seneca, Illinois. How close <laughs> is it to Chicago? I think my group is going to stay in Chicago. Would you want to get together? So yeah, it went from there and, you know, it's, it's been a, we always talk about we being people who are adults. That like the the best part about adulthood is being able to be friends with the people you want. You're not yeah. you're not forced to be friends with a kid in your in your class or in your neighborhood. And I mean, I guess there are those people who are parents who maybe have to hang out with the parents of their other kids' friends. You sure. know, if they're at athletic events or school events. But you and I don't have to worry about that. Nope. And you know, obviously, <laughs> this is a, a a very a very meaningful choice. We we have committed to being friends and going that. You know, we have to really try to be friends because we don't have the benefit of driving a couple of miles to see each other. No, no. But, but I, um, I will say like, so we've a couple things. Um, we absolutely, if you, if you're not following Jimmy, Jimmy is also a great follow on Twitter. Um, I, I do miss live tweeting wrestling a lot. <laughs> um, I feel like it's getting fun again, but for a while it got, uh, and I say wrestling in general is getting fun again. Um, it was it was a it was a chore to watch for a long time, um, and I and I feel like some of the fun when I lost my smile 
fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think th- I think there have been a few factors. I think Twitter changing its algorithm is a big part of it. You're not getting yeah. the engagement that you used to. I remember you'd write something and people would follow a hashtag and and react to it. And it's just, it doesn't happen anymore. No. And my feed is now full of things where it's like, this random person you follow liked this. And then it's a tweet from somebody and it somehow has like 55,000 retweets. And like, what? Right. But other than that, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I do doesn't get a whole lot of traction. And you combine that with just the overall malaise that I feel for Twitter because it's just it's not the place it used to be. And, no. and that's I don't blame it. It it shouldn't be the thing it was 15 years ago, but I, I find myself using it less and less. But yeah, uh, I do miss live tweeting those random Monday Night Raws and, yeah. and those pay-per-views. Um, that was kind of a fun little community that we had. It was really fun. It was. It kind of reminded me of like watching Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah, very like, much so. Yeah, but it was like the Twitter version. You also went through some sort of like submission process, interview process, something for WWE for creative, correct? Yeah, yeah. At How some did you point, know that? Like, did I, I tell you like that? We have talked about it because I okay. I didn't know th- that was going to be one of my thing. That was going to be one. That was going to be one of my two truths. So I'll have to change it oh, if we get yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Um, in 2007, I had interviewed uh, a few times. Uh, they were lo- one of my friends who was a former coworker. He he actually to this day he's still the photographer at the paper in Superior and the paper in Duluth because I think they've since kind of consolidated uh, colleagues. But um, he sent me like a monster.com listing for a WW creative writer position oh, yeah. in 2007. And I was at the time a copy editor at the Duluth paper. And I thought, well, what the heck? I'll, I'll throw my hat in there. And a guy named John Weiner or Weiner, I don't know how it's pronounced. He reached out to me via email and he's like, hey, we saw your application. We're interested in, in talking to you. So I had a phone interview with him. And he just, we went through, what do you like about Raw and SmackDown? What do you dislike? What would you change? What would you do differently? And then the next one, he's like, okay, we had another conversation kind of just about like the writing process and wrestling. He goes, I need you to submit a writing sample. Give me, write, write me a, like, write me a Raw and write me a SmackDown. Oh my God. Yep. And I wrote, I wrote it. And I remember like my, my chef's kiss piece was the the start of Raw was going to be a cold open where people are hanging out backstage and Eugene gets attacked with a chair to the head. And then like Val Venus or somebody goes up to him and is like, hey, are you okay, Eugene? And he goes, who's Eugene? And then like, so basically he's like knocked straight um, to like, you know, like a, a, you know, a quote unquote normal person or whatever. And the whole show was going to be about like Eugene, like, planting the seeds of Eugene, like being this different character, having a different gimmick. And they're like, yeah, I could have been making this last part up. I don't remember. I may be misremembering, but I think like Stephanie McMahon, like looked at it or something like that. I remember like Uh John Weiner telling me that like, Oh, they like it. They, they want you to fly to Stanford for an interview. But the caveat was they wanted me to pay for it. Pay for it. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. Um, I, I, so it's 2007 and, um, I had I had just gotten married like the year before and I I had just bought a house the year prior and was like 
the cost. It was like, I'm not flying out. I don't have money to buy a plane ticket to go to an interview for a job. Like what? And then when they told me the salary, they said the salary was $27,500 a year and that you had to live in New York or Connecticut. And when I looked up the cost of living, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You'd have to have like a relative who would let you live with them to make that work. Like yeah. I was making more money at the newspaper in 2007 than than that. Right. Um, so I, I said, I was like, is there a way for you to pay my way there? And he goes, well, I don't think so, but let me see. And then he got back to me the next day. And he's like, I'm sorry, we aren't, you know, we're not going to do that. And I said, well, then I respectfully declined the offer, but thank you. Um, okay. So I, I didn't, I didn't go any farther with it. You did. So you didn't have the actual interview. It was more of a submission and like a couple conversations, but not like an in-person. Yeah. Not an in-person. I, I, they, yeah. they wanted me to come in there and, and I, I declined. Cause yeah. I, there's no way I was paying my way there. And I had asked people, so I talked to, um, uh, Barney Irwin or wild Bill Irwin, also, also known as the goon. Mm-hmm. He, he was a friend of mine and he's from Duluth and, and lives in Duluth. And, uh, I had said, Hey, look, like, is this normal? Like, would, what do you think about this? And he's like, well, he goes, he goes, you know, you can always take your chance. Like if it's a dream, go do it, go for it. He goes, but most places would like pay your way. Right. And I had talked to other people in professional settings, like, is it normal to have to pay to go to your interview? And other people are like, fuck no. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that told me like just how much like consideration and care they were putting into it if they yeah. were not willing to fly me out. Yeah. Mine was similar. It was a phone conversation that turned into um, submit storyline samples. Uh, the, only stipula- the only guidelines given were like exactly what you said. One was Raw, one was SmackDown. Um, I decided to go one women's angle, one men's angle one involving a championship one not involving a championship because i wanted to try to show like uh diverse approaches uh and it only got to like uh we are impressed while we're impressed with whatever you submitted like it's you know it's not a fit for our creative team blah 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 uh there were elements of those that ended up making it to tv though of course i'm sure yours yeah, is the same of course <laughs> and isn't it isn't it funny knowing what we know now just how they've farmed writers in and out of there that we would have just been part of like this cattle call basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. At the time though, it's like, that's all I ever wanted to do. Same. So I was like, yeah, like I, of course I'll go do this. Of course I would like move across the country for well, 27,000. And you could tell that you, you, they, they were looking for the markiest of marks or hoping to get the markiest of marks because it was a lot of road time. Yeah. And you know, it'd be like, you're going to be at the pay-per-view site like day before you're going to be at the raw site the day before all the stuff or whatever the travel. And again, at the time I had just got married and, and my wife was like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah, if you're not here and it was, it, none of it made sense logistically. And part of me was just flattered that I even got to the stage I got, even if it was just scratching the surface, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. Cause I, I, I had a couple of exchanges with, uh, Stephanie's assistant at the time, like based on some of the like status updates and things. So yeah, it was cool. Um, but it's, it's funny cause now I look back on it and I'm like, Oh, that's just the thing that they do to try to get ideas. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like it's, it, it it's makes nothing sense. more than sitting in a writing room and it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a good strategy. It's kind of, it's kind of uh hokey, but yeah, I think it works. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Kate. <laughs> um, so you guys got married in 2014, correct? 2014, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did you two meet? I know you said she's from Duluth. Um, yeah. How was your, you know, how did you initially meet? So we initially, well, 
I don't know if we ever met, and I don't know if this is a meeting, but um, we were in the same homeroom when I was in eighth grade and she was in sixth grade. So I don't think she remembers me, but I remember her. Mm-hmm. And that's just like an aside. Oh, I, I know who Kate Royer is. And then we went to one year of high school together, my senior year and her sophomore year. She had her freshman year, my junior year, she lived in California with her mom. Okay. So we only had that one year of school together after that, that my senior year. And we had some mutual friends. So I knew who she was and she knew who I was, but like we, I don't know if we even said a word to each other. I I, I don't remember. Um, but an, another Twitter story, I became friends with Kate's brother on Twitter. Okay. In 2011. Um, I knew, I had always known who he was because he is uh, friends with, Chris Chafee, who you know, and Chris Chafee is my youngest brother, Puck's best friend. So I knew Joe as like, I know who Joe is. I know he's, he's a musician. I know he's cool and I know he's funny. And he and I were tweeting back and forth to each other. And then his band had an EP release show in October. I think it was like October 8th of 2011. And I had a stand up open mic the day before Mm -hmm. on October 7th. And they were both in Duluth. So he had said, I'll go to your stand-up show if you go to my show. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Don't have to twist my arm. And I saw him at the comedy show. I met him for the first time in person at the comedy show. And he had Kate with him. And I'm like, oh, hey, good to see you. And at that point, the only interaction Kate and I ever had was on Facebook, where it's like, you do the annual happy birthday post. And that's right. it. <laughs> like, you know, I don't yeah. know her. She doesn't know me. And I remember saying to her, at the, and it, so we, we can backpedal a little bit. I, I got married in 2006, divorced in 2010. And so I was single for most of 2010 and then obviously 2011. And I'm doing stand, I got, I started doing stand up based out of kind of trying to get myself out of this depression from this divorce in December of 2010. And I was really enjoying it, going to open mics and then, um, I I got asked to MC the pro show at Dublin Pub in Duluth. They'd have two shows a night every Saturday, and um, was doing that quite regularly. So as Friday night was open mic night there, and, and and we had a you know a core group of people who were frequent open micers. So I so I said to Joe, "Yeah, I'll, I'll go to your show. No problem. That'd be awesome." So show goes really well, and. Uh, I meet Joe at the end and we're, we're talking and I start talking to Kate and I remember telling her, I said, you're an attractive gal. Do you have a boyfriend? Or I think, I, I think I maybe said, are you single? I didn't say, do you have a boyfriend? And uh, she goes, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, well, we sh-, I think I said like, we should get dinner sometime or would you want to get dinner? And she said, yeah. So we exchanged phone numbers and then we agreed to meet up the next night at Joe's show. Like, Hey, we'll, we'll hang out and have a beer. So I show up to the EP show and she sees me and we, we start talking and have some drinks and her dad and stepmom are there and uh, he's eyeballing me the whole time and he's like <laughs> a he's like a big stocky dude and you know beard and long hair and I'm like whatever and I, I mean I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good like I know I'm harmless you yeah know, I'm just here to have a good time whatever and uh, Kate at the end of the night people are figuring out what their next plans are and like, where are you going? Kate's sister's there and everybody's like, well, we're going here and we're going here. And Kate's like, oh, I think I'm going to go with Jimmy. And everybody kind of looks at her like, what? So Kate comes home with me and 
the next morning she has a barrage of missed calls and text messages. Where are you? Because it's, it was so out of character for her to not like come home. Like, so it's funny cause she was living in the twin cities at the time she was living in Minneapolis okay. and she was just staying the weekend at her dad's house. So when she didn't come home, I guess her dad had kind of worried and of her, course, yeah. he had, he had, he had reached out to her sister who lives in superior. I was like, is Kate with you? No. Um, Joe also didn't go home. He went at home with some gal, but they weren't worried about Joe. It's not right. a double standard. <laughs> so they reach out to Joe. Where's Kate? He's like, I don't know. So, um, they were trying to, they were like Googling me and trying to find my address. And, uh, I think we woke up at like eight 30 that morning and, and Kate had like, you know, called off, like called off the dogs. Hey, I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> Whatever. So, but we, we've been, we've pretty much been together ever since. Um, I, I did have, I did have, you know, maybe a period of a month there where like well, the end of October that month, I, I was, I had already had plans to visit a gal in New York, um, a friend of mine. So I, I did go to that. I, I did, I did spend the weekend <laughs> with this gal and I remember I, I got home and, uh, I, I told the gal, I was like, Hey, I, you know, I, I just wanted to let you know, I, I did meet somebody who, you know, I, I, I really like, and, and I want to pro, I want to pursue that. And she's like, yeah, I, I felt like something was off, you know, with you and we, we, when we were together. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I, I called Kate and she is, Kate goes, I didn't expect to ever hear from you again. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I, I happened to be going to Minneapolis for an eye appointment because I had, I had a botched LASIK surgery, um, earlier that year. So I was having a follow-up appointment to get it corrected. And I was like, well, I'm planning on staying with this mutual friend of ours, but if, if you want, I'd be happy to stay with you. And she's like, yeah, sure. So I stayed with her that weekend and uh, we've been together ever since. So we don't really have like a day that we started dating. It's like yeah. late October, early November, <laughs> but yeah, we've been together for 10 years now. Okay. Well, congrats. She is, she's awesome. And and it sounds like my next question was going to be, how did you know that she was like the right one like the right yeah. person right but yeah. it sounds like you both just kind of knew it just happened yeah i so i had done you know we all do things that we 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 are convinced this is the thing and then you you maybe regret it or um you 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 realize that with more thought no that's not really the thing i want so i, I had gotten married and i got married at 24 and there may be people listening who say well what's the big deal well 24 for me was, I was more like 17. Mm -hmm. I just, I was not equipped to handle that. And, uh, I don't really know what I was doing other than I think I got, I got swept up in the fact that my brother Bob was getting married at the same time that I started dating this gal. And like, I think I fell in love with the moment and not her, mm -hmm. but thought it was her. And we ended up getting engaged later that year. And, and it was just, you know, we were, we were young and we should have just dated and not gotten married. Um, so I'd gotten divorced and I had taken this, you know, divorce as like a big loss, like a big black mark on my, my life record. Like, oh my mm -hmm. God, I'm divorced. And I mean, thankfully we didn't have kids together. So it was possible to make a clean disconnection that this, there's not something that is tying you to this individual. But I had told myself, oh, I'm never getting married again. I proclaimed at 28, like what? Mm -hmm. And, um, started dating Kate a year and a half later and, um, just, you know, 
had a wonderful time with her two and a half years together where I'm living in Duluth and she's in Minneapolis. Every other week, one of us is going to see the other. Mm-hmm. And there would be random weekdays where one of us would surprise the other, which was like the coolest thing. I still it's get fun, like, yeah. rumbles in my tummy thinking about <laughs> how cool that was. But I remember in 2013, actually it was on my way to the Tough Mudder. I was driving in, in a car with some friends and I think we were like around Madison at the time. And I was having this conversation with these guys about like, you know, Kate and I have been together for a year and a half and, you know, it's not fair to her for me to sit here and say like, well, I'll never get married again. Cause why, why should I punish her for my previous marriage not working? Um, it's not marriage that isn't right. It's, you know, the person. So, um, I remember having this feeling of like, I need to either break up with her or I need to fully commit to being with her for the rest of my life. And I started thinking about what my life would be like without her in it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. And that's when I knew that I wanted to marry her. Those are all the questions I have for the first round. Uh, Kenny will be very excited to hear that I'm, I'm ready to move on to the second round, which is the five for five round. This round is uh, absolutely named after an Arby's culinary deal from the 90s, which you may remember, where you got five Arby's. classic roast beef sandwich. So good. Oh, I remember. I so love Arby's. Good. Love Arby's. Okay, so in this round, uh, you have five questions for me. I have five questions for you. We'll ping pong back and forth. You are the guest, so by all means, I will allow you to go first. If you all right, like. so I'll have to stall for the fifth question because you've already... Well, no, you haven't answered my first question. Here's my first question. It's, yep. what is your earliest, earliest wrestling memory and what hooked you? The It was... It was the same, the same thing. Um, so same thing for both. Um, we weren't allowed to watch wrestling really growing up um, as my cousins watched wrestling. And so we would watch it sort of like illegally with them, uh, according to my parents. And um, I remember the first, you remember like WWE has always done a really great job with like production and like putting together vignettes and things like for the casual fan, right? That may be tuning in for like a pay-per-view. I think that's why they have the fans they do, because that is what, got me yeah absolutely and so i remember um my cousin had was watching i don't know if it was live or if it was taped i'm gonna say it was probably taped because pay-per-view doesn't really seem um it was probably like she rented it from like movie gallery or something i don't know but um it was uh wrestlemania 7 and it was don't judge me it was the no i I love it i love it (laughs) it was rick martell versus jake the snake in the blindfold match um the reason for me was it was the story. Like I was drawn in. Right. So like I watched yeah. this video package or whatever. It was fucking insane. Right. Like I'm like, you got this guy who like comes out wearing a pin that says like, yes, I am a model just in case anyone's fucking confused. Um, you know, it like the whole buildup and like everything about it was so great. And then like the great equalizer of like putting the blindfold on, you know, it was like all of the things, man, like that's the first match where I was like, Oh my God. Like I love, I, I love this. Yeah. And I, and incredible. I need to see more. Um, see, I was, I was hooked from the story for sure. And that one um, was, that was such a good one. I legit thought Jake was blinded by the arrogance. Of course. Why wouldn't you be like, cause you know, the other thing is like, you think it's like cologne, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, you know, that if you put cologne on or like walk, like it burns your fucking eyes. So yeah. it's very, very believable. Yeah. No, um, I remember examining the WWF magazine, um, picture of jake with his blinded like clear eye like oh yeah he's that's definitely real yeah yeah for sure man they went to like no um they like stopped 
at no expense back then, right? Like you, this you same, had was, to, yeah, you had to protect great. the business, man. It was great. Um, so yeah, that was it. That was my moment. Uh, and and like I said, because we weren't allowed to watch it, um, that was like the first time I remember watching. Also, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, that was it for me. I was done. I was, it was immediate. A sign sealed, delivered. Like I was done. And when wrestling is taboo too, like if you're not allowed to watch, it's even like f- more fun to watch. Like, oh yeah, sneak. Yeah, and yeah. My my parents always embraced the wrestling they might because i think my dad loved it as a kid yeah he'd always talk about the crusher and dick the bruiser and i think it's hilarious that there was a wrestler called dick the bruiser yeah um, <laughs> that's not pg yeah so uh he he loved it he loved it and uh you know they would just make sure like hey don't kill each other and, right. and we really didn't we were good awesome my first question for you <laughs> is very different but i want to hear about your very favorite sandwich favorite sandwich is uh, no doubt the uh, potbelly uh, turkey Swiss. Okay. Um, so I assume you have potbellies around oh, yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, potbelly was new to me until, or it was new to me when I started dating Kate. Like only when I was visiting her, like in 2011, I'm like, oh, what's this potbelly? Yeah. So I get the turkey <laughs> Swiss big on white bread, and I get bacon, mayo, lettuce, and pickles. And okay. It is. It's the best sandwich I've ever had. I love that thing so much. Potbelly is really good. That's a that's a solid pick. Potbelly was like, we didn't have it in Cincinnati growing up. It, uh, Chicago was the first time I'd ever had it. But when we, the first building that we moved into here in Chicago, there was one in the street level. I mean, that so, would be dangerous for me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I just I love that so much. Uh, eating it. In the restaurant is better, obviously, than like sure. it doesn't it doesn't travel great, but I'll still take it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I want to know. This is a lot more uh, a lot more deep than the wrestling question, but what's something either large or small from your life that you regret that you're like I really want to take that back? Ooh, um, man, that's a tough second question. Um, <laughs> and, and if you want to, if you want to pass and save it no, for later, no, no. you can. There's no, there's no passing. I, just uh, I to just... save for later, just like bookmark <laughs> it or, or what do you got? What do you call it thing when you like dog, dog mark? No, earmark, whatever. Earmark? I can't think. Whatever you do when you fold a page of a book, whatever that's called. Um, no. Okay. So something that I regret from my life. It could be, it could be something even like, uh, you know, I shouldn't have eaten that meal and shit my pants right after you know when i was going to that (laughs) wedding reception or like man i shouldn't have said that thing to that person just something where you're like yeah i'd do that over because those people were like i live my life with no regrets fuck you you're lying because there's so much i would change that's such a lie um i think it's i'm gonna go back to something that you said earlier talking about like being nice in school and stuff like i feel like i was generally nice and i was i had a lot of acquaintances like got along with a lot of different groups i do think that there was a moment not a moment there was a while a period in high school where i was a fucking nerd like in middle school and then in high school i kind of like i don't think that i got cooler i think that i just had other people around me that like like i could embrace and like just be who i was and like and they liked me for who i was whatever and um i think that i like i got a little mean girl in high school a couple times my specifically my sophomore year yeah because i had never like been popular air quotes before Mm -hmm. um and i like started doing things like i got elected to student council and i was up for like homecoming and like it was like very 
it's it's like a very small dose of like what you hear about people like Justin Bieber going into like, you know, entitlement and like all the stuff. But like I remember like there were a couple things that I said or did to people um in in my school that were straight up fucking mean and probably to your point like bullying and and that's not I mean I, it sounds dumb to say you were no. like drunk with power from being popular in high school, no. but like the dumbest thing, right? Uh, but I know what yeah, you mean. I was I was a fucking dick to some people. I know what you mean, and I have those moments. They always come like in the morning when I'm showering, where I just like get a chill when I think about like some stupid thing I said or did to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's always this regret because I had assumed naively. I don't know. Again, I was a late bloomer. Like. Like I was 24, I was 17. When I was a teenager, like I had automatically assumed most kids had the same existence I did. They came from a home with two married parents. They oh, yeah. didn't have to worry about where their next meal was from. They had, you know, general hygiene habits, stuff like that. And I just think if I contributed to making someone's life miserable or their high school existence miserable, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm so deeply sorry because yeah, you have those moments. And then you reminded me of, Every year in school, there seemed to be this kid who I would give like the most improved to where it's like, no one knew who you were last year. Now you're like a breakout star. Like there were those people who you could tell were kind of like feeling themselves like, yeah, 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 people like me. And and they'd kind of rise up. They wouldn't necessarily make fun of people, but they were just like they rose to a level of relevance that they didn't previously know. Yeah, it was uh, it was like a very miniature version of She's All That. Yeah. Like Which I've never seen. Their, you've never seen that? No. And it's Kate, a great movie. Kate admonishes me constantly. She's like, how have you yeah. never seen this? It's so I've good. also never seen The Shawshank Redemption, which is amazing. I have seen that, but it's been a long time. I was really bummed with the beginning of uh, the COVID, like when people were actually taking it seriously and staying home. Um, <laughs> we were like trying to go through movies that none of us had seen or that one of us hadn't seen. And Liz had never seen Can't Hardly Wait either, which to me is like... A very classic, like, I went to high school in the late 90s movie. Yeah. And so I ordered it on Amazon and made her, like, watch it. Yeah. She was not impressed. (laughs) That is, that's, that's, um, I think that's Kate's holy grail of movies. And yeah, she, I had never seen it. And same thing. She's like, you got to watch this. So I think, like, maybe a year into dating, we watched that. Yeah. I love that movie. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I, I mean, who didn't have a crush on Amanda Beckett? Jesus Christ. I mean, Jennifer Love Hewitt, once I saw, because I was not a party of five watcher. Yeah. Um, I loved her in, uh, I know what you did last summer. That was when oh, I was yeah. like, oh, love her, love her. Yeah. That movie was, like, again, the, all those movies from that era were just like fire, like one after another. So good. They were all kind of the same though, but great okay. soundtracks too. Oh, great yeah. soundtracks. Oh. Yeah. Soundtracks were like the original mixtape uh-huh. kind of, like not mixtape, mix CD. You know, and it's funny, it shows the era. I think like the top selling CDs of all time, four, I think four of them are soundtracks from the 90s or something like that. Four or six are soundtracks from the 90s. So, I mean, it just shows you like it peaked with CD sales and then, you know, that era. Great music. God, one of my favorite, you just made me think of this, one of my favorite soundtracks and I loved this. I had it on CD. I'm, I'm sure I still do. It was the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. With, so good. Uh, oh, my so God. Good. So good. You had garbage. Like garbage. Yes. Desri. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. I'm going to have to find that this weekend. Or it's just awesome. look it up on Spotify. But it's not the same, you know? It's no, like, Spotify doesn't have a lot of soundtracks. You, you'll see some piecemealed together from fans. But yeah. I don't know. It must be something with like the motion picture industry. I'm just making shit up. But sometimes I'll just you. straight up buy them. Like I bought the Drive soundtrack on vinyl. Oh yeah, I, I love that soundtrack. It's yeah, so good. Not '90s, obviously. I think that's a 2011 movie. Yeah, 
So good. Oh, God. What's, what's your next cue? Yeah, sorry. Uh, tell us about your worst haircut ever. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know <laughs> if this would be haircut or hair. Um, we'll hair take it. Dress, hair, whatever. Yeah, hairstyle. So um, my mom is a hairdresser by trade, and she cut my hair up until I think like a year after I was living here. I was like, okay, I finally need to find somebody to cut my hair. Not that she was bad. It's like, I can't wait to go to Duluth to get a haircut. I need to find somebody here. But, um, so she, she worked at a shop until Puck was born and Puck was born premature. So she quit her job to stay home and take care of him for a little while. And she committed the ultimate sin and let her license expire. So, once her license lapsed, she didn't want to go through the like 1,000 hours of training you needed to get it back. Yep. And she got a job in the schools as a teacher's assistant or whatever, did that for 25 years. But that's neither here nor there. So she would only do hair for like friends and family. Mm-hmm. And she would have people come over and they'd get perms and whatnot. Well, she never wanted to waste the perm solution. You know where oh, this is no. going. So <laughs> when I was in sixth grade, this would have been the 92, 93 school year, she's like, do you want to get a perm? I've got some leftover solution I could use. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Because at the time I was like, I don't care. It, it wasn't my first perm. I had I'd done that before because sure. same thing, leftover solution, doesn't <laughs> want to waste it. All right, great. So she gave me this perm and I didn't think anything. I'm like, whatever, who cares? So the next day at school, I'm sitting, we, we sat at four person tables and I sat with my back to the door um, that was my normal seat. And before the day starts, everybody has their school doors open or classroom doors open and people, you know, socialize and walk about the hallway. And kids started laughing at me and teasing me and calling me Kimmy. So, <gasps> oh, no. and that, it crushed me. And that was like the first moment, at first maybe only moment where like in school, like I kind of like broke down. Mm-hmm. And like I felt awful. And I just remember telling my mom, you need to change it. You need to change it. And I think probably that day, she either reversed it or cut my hair super short or something, but that was probably the worst. And it was only because of how I was treated. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, the hair looks bad. It was, I mean, I if anything, Justin Timberlake was doing it like three years later. Yeah, of course. So, although I think he's naturally <laughs> curly, so I don't know. He was doing the reverse after that, but that that would that's the one that stands out. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's time for your third question for me. Yeah, third cue. Um, if you created your own fast food chain, what would you name it? And what would like your go-to menu item be? Oh, so Jared and I have actually talked about this. Uh, <laughs> we <laughs> we want to start a restaurant that only carries, um, and it can be fast food, but uh, that only carries appetizers and desserts. And so it's like sort of, it's called before and after. Um, and so we wouldn't have like main dishes, but we feel like a lot of times um, that, the best parts of the menu are hidden in those like appetizer dessert areas, but like people focus on the meal. And so we really think that there's like a lot of opportunity in just serving appetizers and desserts. I think you could totally make it fast food. Cause like Arby's to their credit has really just like, to me cemented like the role of appetizers in fast food. That's a great answer. And yes, you're right about Arby's doing that. Yeah. That's that's a really good question. B and A before and after B and A, where B of A is Bank of America. B N A. I love yeah. that man. That's awesome. Um, yeah. If I if I ever had like money just to start like a hobby business, that's that's what it would be. Do it. I I yeah. say 
follow this dream. Maybe even just make it a thing you do in retirement. That'd be awesome. Maybe, maybe I could have like a food truck or something. I don't know. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I imagine like with the work you do, you've probably made enough connections where everything you would need for that, you could do it to market sure. it. And sure. That's a great concept. Yeah. I hope, I hope nobody after. just picks it up now. Well, and I'll tell you what. There are plenty of times I go to places and I will just get an appetizer and then get a dessert. So yeah. it makes sense. I don't need a meal. Yeah. yeah as long as I have like a, a a fountain beverage or, you know, even a beer or whatever, I'm good yeah. with all that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, my third question for you is if you were making a movie or if you were a consul- somehow involved in a movie being made about your life, what actor would you have play you? Don Cheadle. Okay. How come? <laughs> it's he's always been my answer. Like even when I was in high school, people would ask me who'd play you in a movie, and I'd say Don Cheadle. Um, I I just I fucking love Don Cheadle. I think he's a tremendous actor. But if you're if you have to go with somebody who kind of like resembles me, no. again, so douchey. Um, <laughs> I've gotten Ryan Phillippe a lot, so like maybe him. But actually, there's a guy named David Payette Cow who was in he was in a CBS like drama like one of those cop shows or whatever where my parents were like this guy looks like you they also say chris o'donnell looks like me i don't know <laughs> like i don't know if that's true but like i guess i'd say ryan Phillippe, david payette cow or chris o'donnell but i'd go with don Cheadle just because i fucking love don Cheadle. so yeah i there's nothing wrong with that answer good yeah. thanks i love that i love that Awesome. What's your for- uh, it's time for your fourth question for yeah. me. So if relationships and if um, work were not a thing, you didn't have to worry about it. It's like you could just do whatever you need to do. Where would you want to live either in the U.S. or just in the world? Um, I don't know about the world because I honestly we did, I just never have really been like a big international traveler. Um, <laughs> this this will also make me sound like I'm a senior citizen and that's fine. <laughs> Liz and I really like Arizona a lot. And I know yeah, you and I went yeah. to, we met in Phoenix one time for a Royal Rumble. Yeah. It's hot January as hell there. 2019. It is. Oh my God. Yeah, but like, I was supposed it's... to be there tomorrow. I was supposed to be there tomorrow, but I, I changed my plans because of COVID. I'm uh, just like, fuck, I don't want to go. Yeah. I think that's probably where I would go though. Cause I feel like it's, you know how like we were talking about earlier, like Duluth, you have like underground tunnels and like, yep. you, mm-hmm. I think it's the same though. I think like in the summer, you just don't really go outside unless you're yeah. like going swimming. Right. And to you're me, right. like, sometimes it's too hot for that. Even we, yeah. we had, we had some friends move from Minneapolis to Phoenix two years ago. And there was a day this year where they're like, we can't use our pool today because it's too hot. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be a big adjustment is like, mm-hmm. cause I feel like right now I would say from like October until like May, it's like spotty even here. Like if we're going to do anything or if we're just going to sit in the house when we get home from work, because you know, it's dark and cold and snowy and whatever. Um, so I think it would just be like reversing that a little bit, but I, I think that, um, I don't know. Arizona has a lot of different sort of like types of geographies, um, they have amazing fast food chains too. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could do it. I think I would have to live there. I don't think it's a place I would choose, but it could also, I, I did love our experience there. We were there for like five days or parts of five days. I did love yeah. it except for the time I was deathly ill yes. for like a day and a half or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's a good question though. Or a good answer. I should say I'm not pumping myself up for the question. That was a good, that was no, a good it's answer. A, it's a great question too. 
My fourth question for you is what's the worst advice that you've ever been given? Um, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I've gotten any bad advice. And if I have, I, I don't remember. I, I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can contort this to make it fit, but, um, <laughs> I've been told things at a young age that just simply are not right or not true. And, um, you know, going back to religion, like growing up Catholic, I was always told that, you know, like it was wrong to be gay. And I just think that's complete bullshit. It is complete bullshit. Um, so for a person to say that, like, to be like look, hate the sin, love the sinner, like, no, fuck you. Like, yeah, that's not a thing. Um, that if that I don't know if that counts as advice, um, but that's something that stands out to me as like I remember being told this and it's complete fucking garbage. So yeah. um, that would be it. But yeah, I don't think anybody's really given me advice. I think I've, I think I've, I guess I haven't been given any unsolicited advice. I've always sought advice from people mm-hmm. I trust. Um, so I can't think of anything bad. I don't know. I think I think that totally counts. Okay, I mean, cool. they're they're telling you, and it's like a thing that you're supposed to incorporate into your life. Yeah, and also the the people who have protected people who have had sex with children, like, yeah, no, thank you. I'm not listening to anything you're saying. So yeah, Oof. yeah. So it's um, time for your so, fifth and final question for me in this round. I need you to book me, and you don't have to. I don't want you to predict. I want you to book. You're in charge. Book me the next three WWE champions. And book the next three AEW champions. And it's the men's title, the main men's title in both. Okay. So not the universal title in WWE. <laughs> um, okay. I have to look in WWE um, to see who is even in the mix because I haven't really been watching it. I but if you know they're on the roster, you can book them. These are three people that you want to carry the title. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about Big E's championship, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this next person would beat Big E then. Would beat you know, Big it, E. And then, and then so on. Like the next one would beat the person you yeah. pick first. First of all, I have to say that I'm really, really happy that Big E won the championship. I, I just adore that guy. So overdue. I adore Etor. So I'm going to go, this is going to go as like a very, very crazy throwback and it's a little bit of a wild card. It may not surprise you. Uh, I think the person that I would have. I know what you're going to say. I'm going to have, I'm going to have Dolph Ziggler beat him. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's going to be to rehash like some of their old history. Um, Makes I would sense. use Dolph Ziggler as a transitional champion. No offense, Dolph Ziggler. I love you so much. And I would probably then put the title on, hmm. Jesus. Uh, I don't think Jesus is on the roster, although God did tag with Shawn Michaels <laughs> against Vincent Shane. That's true. That's so true. You put the uh, belt on Jesus. <laughs> Dolph really would be a transitional champion. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have Big E losing to Jesus. No. I would have The Miz take the title back from Dolph Ziggler. The most transitional champion ever, yeah. getting the belt from <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. I, I love The Miz, um, and I think they're going to probably push him a little more after all of the stuff so. with Dancing with the Stars. And, and so. you talk about somebody that's worked their ass off. Well, and also, I think he's going to come back with a different-looking body, and yeah. I think that will make them want to do something with him. I think he he should go through a gear change and just have like a, another level to his career post-dancing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then this one is uh, this one's <laughs> this one's out there. I don't know. I don't know how you respond to this, um, but I feel like I have got to also try to build new talent or elevate talent that should have already been pushed. Let's say. So I'm gonna go with um, Mustafa Ali. I like it. 
I love him. I think yeah. he's underused. I mean, he's obviously on the smaller side, but I, like I think I think he could uh he could have a really really fun run. I think that's a good selection. I like it. So the okay. Oh, and you asked for AEW as AE well. AE Dub. Okay, so at this point we are taking it off of Kenny Omega. Yep. Okay. Although I was going to say, depending on when this airs, we might be taking it off Hangman Page. Well, I was going to say Hangman Page would be my first choice um, because talk about somebody that's had like been so close and had it ripped away from them so many times um, and just a great wrestler all around. So, yes, you're right. Um, this airs actually in a couple of weeks, so it'll be before uh, Full Gear, nice. but I would absolutely put the title on um, Hangman Page. I would have him have it for quite some time. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie, because I feel like we need not that they're like terrible about uh, frequent switches there, but I think that he needs a good, like solid run to help yeah. establish him. I think um, they're doing a good pace, too. They're on three champions and they're they're about to hit, you know, three years since they announced the company. So yeah, pretty good. No, they're they're doing they're doing great with that. Um, but I but I think they need to keep that. And I think he needs to stay there if they want him to be credible. I would love to see him and Adam Cole wrestle. I think Adam Cole would be an amazing champion. Um, so I think that would probably be my next move. From there, <laughs> I would have... They have to be people on the roster currently, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Adam Cole would drop the title to... This is not going to surprise you at all. MJF, needs. he needs a, he needs it. I agree with you. And he'll be ready picks. then. That's good. And I, I think when you we talk about Hangman having a long run, he should for a couple of reasons. One being, I think it would be nice for a non-former WWE wrestler to keep doing it. Now, granted, Kenny existed in the company prior. You know, He was a WWE signee, but obviously was never a main roster talent. Yep. So it'd be nice to have those two back-to-back with long title runs so they're yep. not just giving their titles up to these former WWE wrestlers, even though... That's fine if you do. These people are not branded former WWE guys. They're they're great wrestlers in their prime. So, yeah, good picks. Thanks, man. That was nice. I also want to clarify not not that MJF is listening to this podcast. There is there is no, by no means do I mean that he's not ready for that now. Uh, but but I think he's if they don't put him in the title picture sooner than later, I think it's going to be it's going to be hard um, to justify him being at the level that he's at. He needs to he needs some. He needs to be a champion. Yeah, and he will be. I I feel like they've been they've been doing a lot just right, and I think they will with him. And I mean, barring something unforeseen, he will be a man of many title reigns, which would absolutely. be really cool. Absolutely. Um awesome. Well, it's time for the Fast Friends Fortune Teller, and uh, I'll finally let you go and send you your paycheck for the hours of time on the podcast. <laughs> um in this round, I'll ask you a series of questions that will reveal an activity. So the first choice is we're in a car together, which is not that um, hard to imagine. <laughs> and I ask you to start a boy band playlist, also not hard to imagine. Which would you pick, Backstreet Boys, Sync, One Direction, or 98 Degrees? It's no doubt Backstreet Boys, because when I had my first job working at Burger King as a teenager, we <laughs> listened to whatever album was current at that time nonstop. And then... Everybody was the theme song of my senior year soccer team. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Boys. So the next question is, we stopped for snacks. Uh, would you pick Milk Duds, Corn Nuts, Cheez-Its, or Sour Patch Kids? The correct answer would be cheddar cheese pretzel combos, but since that's not on there, <laughs> I'm going Milk Duds. Okay. That's fair. Um, it's hard to find. I was trying to go with like a variety of tastes. 
No, it makes sense. The milk duds are, would be good too because it would keep me from eating them all right away. Like, right. Th- yeah, those are ones where I enjoy them slowly. Yeah. And the last question is, uh, we stop for a drive through Do we stop at Wendy's, McDonald's, Arby's, or Burger King? It's Wendy's. I mean, Wendy's is just... I, I could make I could justify picking each one of those for different reasons. Sure. But Wendy's is the one where I eat I eat it and I'm like, I could actually go for a little more. I, I don't feel horrible. So, Interesting. I mean I, I do that about BK too. I love BK, <laughs> especially as an alum. Yeah, BK's great. Uh, they all have their own they're all great in their own way. Mm-hmm, um, they are. Behind Wendy's is two truths and a lie, my friend. And I know you said you would have to like conceive conceive? Yeah, you would have to come up with another lie. I've got one. I've got one. <laughs> okay, okay. I've got okay. One. So yeah, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you state your three your three statements, and I'll try to guess which one you're. you're yes, which All one right. is a lie? So the first one is I hate mayo. Can't put it on anything. Hate mayonnaise. The second, oh, I just ruined it. I got to come up with a new lie. I told you what my favorite sandwich was, and it had mayo <laughs> on it. <laughs> I was thinking back. I was like, wait, he said that he had mayo on earlier yeah. on the Podbelly one. Yeah, I'll come up with a new one. Okay. Um, Let's say, okay, first one, I ran a marathon once without training. Um, Also, I really enjoy country music. That's always been my go-to. And then the other one is, I'm the legal guardian for two people. Ooh. Um, I believe that, I absolutely believe that you ran a marathon without training because you run frequently enough that I think that that's real. Um, I don't, the country music one is throwing me, but I also feel like I would know if you were a legal guardian of somebody and I, and that's, I don't know that that's ever come up. Um, I think the country music one is a lie. You are correct. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to think, yeah, I'm like, yeah. wait, I've seen you post from concerts before and I don't know that I've ever seen you at a country concert. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> correct. I, I don't, I don't hate country music, but it is not one like, uh, Last weekend, we had a backyard brewery hop with a lot of friends over, and I made a playlist, and I tried to make I, – I, I asked people to contribute songs. Some people did, but for those who didn't, I tried to, like, nail what they like, and the people who like country, I was, like, at a loss. I'm just yeah. like, I have no idea what to put on this playlist. So I yeah. just, like, looked up 2010s country hits in <laughs> on Spotify. But yeah. No, so, yeah, I have ran a marathon without training. I did that in 2004. I do not recommend doing that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I am the, the legal guardian uh, for my aunt and uncle who were born with developmental disabilities. Um, they are my mom's brother and sister. And uh, the idea was to have someone who theoretically would outlive them. So yeah. I, uh, I took over guardianship after my grandma died and my grandpa was old and yeah. uh, he wasn't the one who did the heavy lifting with, with their care. So um we uh, we put them into a group home that is great, and uh, I am the person who provides consent for med changes, doctor's appointments, whatever they need. And uh, we have twice annual meetings for each of them um, with their care team and social worker and everything. So, yeah. That is not surprising now that you give more context. <laughs> um, that is, like, absolutely on brand for you. Oh, such man. a sweetheart. Um, awesome. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on. I guess, you know, you know, and uh, typically with uh, ones where I'm friends with people already, I wouldn't do a friend request. But I mean, I guess I should ask you since I've talked your damn ear off. Uh, if I were to send you a friend request today, would you confirm or delete it uh, renewing our friendship or are we done? I would absolutely renew. Um, 
you know, not to get Hell too deep, yeah. <laughs> not to get too deep, but uh, you will be a friend for life. And uh, I think about, you know, I'm 40. You're what, 41? 41, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we got another 40, 50 years of this. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, Ooh. you know, hopefully Liz and Kate <laughs> meeting in that span. Yeah, no at doubt. Some point. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, you are uh for for the listeners of this show, obviously you have a really good idea. Either you know Logan or you have a really good idea of who he is now. But you are absolutely just uh, I put you near the top of the list in terms of people in my life because you're just you're such a good soul. You're so open about just being the kind-hearted person you are. So I, I'm, I feel grateful to be your friend, and I really appreciate you. And, and thanks for having me on the show today. This is amazing. And thank you to Kenny, too, for everything behind the scenes. Kenny's always working the magic. And dude, uh, thank you so much, honestly. I am so excited to see you at Full Gear in a couple weeks. Can't wait. Um, Jimmy and I will be see, I will be going to Minneapolis without Liz again uh, <laughs> <laughs> to to attend a wrestling pay-per-view uh, at the Target Center with, with Jimmy and some of his friends. So I am super excited um, about that. Thank you so much for coming on, Jimmy. Have a wonderful Friday and enjoy your weekend with, uh, with your friends. <laughs> I will, brother. You take care too, buddy. Say hi to Liz. Give her my love. Will do. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.